welcome again. Thank you for taking time to join us today. Uh, we're halfway through exactly our study in the book of Mark. We pick up today on chapter 9, uh, a little bit of a longer chapter, 50 verses. So let's get right into it today. Let's uh, do it. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, talking about Jesus, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then it is written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Good. And the very first verse is one that I get uh, popular uh, questions about. Um, when Jesus says, those standing here will not face or taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. And it's funny that you say that because literally this is a Bible, I think that my mother-in-law uh, gave me at one point that she didn't need any mm -hmm. longer. And right here on uh, chapter 9, verse 1, there's a question mark somebody has drawn next to it. In. Yeah, people, as they highlight or make yeah. notes, somebody made a question mark here. It's like, what does that mean? I think... It's a good example of being careful to not take one verse or even a passage kind of out of context. Yeah, not looking at it in the right. purview of anything else. Right. And so in the context here, uh, whatever. So the question is, is Jesus saying that everyone, you know, that the end of the world is going to come before this whole generation dies? Yeah, or even in the lifetime of these guys that are right, right there listening. Yeah. Exactly. But then... Literally, literally, the next verse is six days later, Jesus, well, he goes and he's transfigured, and all his glory and power of God revealed yeah. right there to three guys that were standing in front of him <laughs> and, one verse earlier. And so they see this great power uh, be revealed here. And right. again, even Christ himself tells us within Scripture, right, nobody knows the day or the hour, but he doesn't say, but the day or the hour will come within uh, this 20 years right here, guys, right? It's not narrowed down. Right. And we see in the rest of Scripture, too, that is not the context that God provides us for knowing this time of Jesus' second return. Mm -hmm. And then the transfiguration is just another one of these miraculous events that uh, Jesus, I don't want to use the word performs, it's not an act, you know what I mean, but this Jesus does mm -hmm. uh, in front of humans, uh, mere mortals, again, just to verify his identity to comfort them, encourage them for what we'll face, you know, what they'll face in the future. 
I love that it's like a laundry commercial that Mark tells. You know, it's like that Tide commercial, whatever it is. They put like, you know, the competitor and like the name brand inside the bleach and they pull out which one's wider. And yeah. he says, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the his clothes are wider than anyone could ever bleach them. You know, like <laughs> here's, yeah. here's the Jesus pile. So it must have been just obviously so bright uh, for that comparison to be able to be right. made. And, and again, just a reminder, remember Mark, young man, uh, younger, maybe one generation younger than the disciples, um, was following Peter around towards the end of Peter's life, uh, is recording the accounts here. So this is Peter's, uh, and he was one of Peter, James, and John. He's yep. one of the three that were there on the mountain, and in several other areas in Scripture, right, where these right. these uh, kind of inner inner circle individuals are pulled together with Jesus. Right. But I just kind of see Peter struggling to find the words to describe what he saw. Yep. On the Mount of Transfiguration, yep. it was just a dazzling, bleached white, shining. Yeah, spe spectacle. It it's, a it's literally the same. There's a loss for words, right? That you see something or experience something that's so grandiose that you really don't have the, the words for that. And he even says, you know, let's put up these shelters. And Mark yeah. writes on there, he didn't even know what to say because they were so frightened. And one of Mark's favorite words, they were so amazed, I'm sure, is the, at the sight that they saw. Yeah. And this is kind of like that mountaintop experience, right, that we talk about, too, for that saying. People right. say that they have this mountaintop experience. Obviously, most of us know what that means. There's, like, this huge climax. You don't want to leave that point. And it's the same thing for these men today. They're there with Jesus. And this is so powerful and such an amazing point within his ministry. They Let's build these shelters. We don't want to go anywhere. Let, let's stay right here. This is great, you know. Right. And just contrast that to chapter 8 where Peter is uh, hearing mm. Jesus talk about if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross. Jesus saying, I'm going to be killed three days later. Peter's saying, no, no, no. I don't want anything to do with that. Versus now on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus radiating, Moses and Elijah. He's like, Man, let's build tents. Let's stay here. Yeah. This is this is the place yeah. to be. Yep. <laughs> Just like a, a kid going off to camp, right? You know, and being able to experience something. Be like, I don't want to go home. Maybe somebody who doesn't want to go there at first, and they get there and they experience something. Right. And that's where we get that terminology and who of us wouldn't want to be with Jesus when we have this experience right so God's there God says some words too this is my son it says very specifically to all of us listen to him some direct order that's there but then uh, they start coming down the mountain mm -hmm. and Jesus says as we hear several times well I knew that was awesome guys don't tell anybody about this right it's not time yet and then the next verse uh, they kept the the matter to themselves, but I'll insert the word but there. <laughs> but they were discussing what rising from the dead meant. Yeah, yeah, they have no idea. Yeah, well, they just seen Moses. Who knows? Okay, at this point in their lives, like who knows what their concept of rising from the dead was? We know, yeah, we know this is God's word from the beginning to the end. Um, rising from the dead, eternal life. This is always, it's not a new thing. This God always promised this. Who knows kind of how they imagined what that was like until they actually saw Moses and Elijah. Yeah. And were like, oh, wow. This is, well, probably better than they imagined. Yeah. And it's real. It's it actually, like, you know, yeah, exactly. They put like a something tangible. It's concrete, yeah. Uh, to something they had only imagined before. Pretty cool experience. Uh, but yeah, they have to come down the mountain. Just like you talk about the mountaintop experience. Um, I was going to say a wedding day is a pretty spectacular thing. That could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But life uh, 
has there's realities that you yeah know, that you have to face. You can't just live live up there. All right, another quick talk about Elijah. So Jesus is referring to John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah to proclaim the repentance, to turn people from from their sins. The preparation of that which yeah. is coming now, for sure. All right. All right, the healing of a boy with evil spirit. This is a great one. Uh, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Okay, so there's a commotion. There's a scene here. Uh, everybody's passerbys are looking and going, what? what's this commotion about? As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help, my, uh, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the, to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and, stood, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind, can, uh, this kind can come out only by prayer. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they are because he, uh, he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. All right. Lots of great going stuff. on here. Um, so they, yeah, they have this literal, literal mountaintop experience. Probably where we get the term mountaintop experience, uh, uh, bliss and just splendor. And immediately come down the mountain, and his other disciples are, are in a fight with, uh, you know, townspeople, teachers of the law, this father, desperate father, trying to get help, and. Uh, I just love when Jesus says, uh, what am I going to do with you? Yeah. <laughs> Verse 19, how long shall I put up with you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's good. Frustration well, is a, a 
natural emotion there. Yeah, it's interesting too how Christ goes on to get like history on this, right? How long has he been like this? What does that have to do with the situation at all? You know, the, the kid's hurting. doesn't matter if it's been a week or his whole life, but it's interesting that he does ask this. He gets this background on this individual, and he takes this into account, uh, and then it just leads into this monumental piece where the man says, but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us and jesus calls him out on that right mm -hmm. if you can and i wonder how often we think that same thing you know god if you can do this you know please do this or uh you know maybe we don't go before god in a in a bold manner even as he asks us you know to be able to knock to be able to seek to be able to ask and sometimes i think we feel like it's almost like this hail mary that we have and our requests of God, like, I'll throw this one up, and then we'll see yeah. what what happens, you know? Is he going to answer? Not a ton of faith. Just kind yeah, of a, yeah oh, you know, maybe, maybe this will out. happen. Yeah, yeah. Instead of actually believing. And it's tough, you know, for us to be able to believe, just as it is for this man. But just as impressive in Christ's question is the man's <laughs> response, I yep. think, because I think this... Uh, I love that, again, Mark's words, immediately, he doesn't sit around and think about it, immediately he exclaims, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Just beautiful words, because there's this testament that is there, but the man, almost in a piece of confession, says, you're right, like, I do lack that faith, God, can you help me? Not, not show this miracle, and then I'll believe, but literally help me with my unbelief, God. Uh, very, very interesting words. Yeah, no, those are powerful words. Many, many a sermon have been written just on that verse right there, uh, because we do all uh, struggle yep. with doubt, even unbelief. Uh, but it's awesome to see uh, God work through that, or even I'd say pierce through our unbelief to grab us and save us from yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Even, I mean, we're saved from sin, death, hell, the devil, but even ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. I love uh, the description of this demon too because it seems that there's like this unique piece just as we might mention with certain types of angels in scripture sometimes. Right. Even with this demon, first of all, Jesus refers to him as you deaf and mute spirit. It's kind of it wasn't just hey this demon, this spirit. He refers to him in a certain way. Then after the healing, he actually tells his disciples when they pull Jesus aside privately because they don't want to be embarrassed in front of the crowd. Why can't we heal yeah. us? Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer. Like there's this specific type of demon that had to be directed at this point, mm -hmm. which uh, that's interesting that uh, there seems to be you know, some specialization that's there, but also the prescription that Jesus provides for the disciples, this can come only out by prayer. At least in my reading of this, it seems that the disciples did not use prayer then mm -hmm. to be able to address this evil spirit. I don't know why they would have prayed and then he would have told them that. That doesn't seem to make sense. Right. And so I wonder even in the disciples' attempt of being able to heal, if they said, you know, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus, and then nothing happened. And if they had maybe taken for granted a little bit 
the name of Jesus. Not that there wasn't any power in that name, but that they could just throw it out there and that this wouldn't happen instead of actually taking time to be in prayer and yeah. to be able to go to God and break that up. I don't know if you have any different ideas on that in any way. No, it is super interesting, right, to think about are there different classification, different categories of spirits? Or yeah. Is there like a hierarchy? Mm. Like we can we can knock down the little guys, but we need a little help with this one, and the prayer will knock out the big one. That's all kind of interesting, and it's not really – there's no chart to show yeah. us what's yeah. what. But I think a, a practical lesson uh, for me is that um, – Whatever I'm doing, first of all, everything we do should be done in the name of the Lord. Whether mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being a pastor, or being a husband, or being a dad, or um, so you know, we're 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 trying to do things all day long. We're trying to accomplish things, and when we run into a brick wall and say, "Why wasn't I able to, to do this today?" Well, the first reaction should always be, "Hmm, I need to pray about this." Yeah. Like so, every time we kind of bounce back off of you know. Uh, a goal or something we're trying to accomplish. Why didn't that work? Why didn't it, you know, why wasn't I successful? I need to pray about this. Mm. Um, anyway, prayer's a, a great gift that we have to be able to talk to our Heavenly Father. Yeah. Um, so the next section is, uh, well, well, hold on. I forgot the end here. Jesus predicts his death Again, again, that's what I should say. So we know at least two times now that Jesus has plainly told them, like it's not a, it's not some kind of hidden parable, mysterious language or something. He's like really direct, right? Uh, I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to kill me, and in three days I'll rise. And they're all like, what is he talking about? Yeah, actually says that they're afraid too. Yeah. They've just kind of gotten maybe feel like they've been smacked down a little bit. Jesus, they pull him aside and he's like, "Do you guys pray about this?" And they're like, "Ooh." Yeah. <laughs> so next time he says something else again, they're like, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask him a question about yeah, this Peter, one. Peter, you ask yeah. him. No, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. ask him. Yeah. This hasn't gone so well. I mean, Peter's not going to step up and say, then it's really embarrassing. Nobody but, wants to yeah, say Yeah, exactly. But there is this lack of understanding that's there, and rightly so in, in some ways, which leads really into the next section, too. So this next section is hilarious. Uh, it's my turn to read, I think. Yeah. But verse 30, now just remember, they, they just, they're scratching their heads and they're saying they don't understand what Jesus is saying about really the centrality of his mission, right? To die and rise for sins of the world. They don't get it. And so what's their next thought? Only uh, humans could uh, think like this. So they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? <laughs> but they kept quiet because on the way... They had argued about who was the greatest. They're like, dang it, he heard us. (laughs) Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. uh, Yes, taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So again, uh, I, I call them doofuses because we're all doofuses yeah. right, compared to God. Right? We would have so done these, the same thing. So these doofuses are like, I don't understand Jesus. What do you mean you're going to die? I don't get it. Hey, by the way, you know who's going to be the greatest in Jesus' yeah. kingdom? Yeah. It's like they just said they don't even understand like what the gospel, the 
totality of it is, what it looks like right now, anyway, until Jesus. What their role is going to be, what their role is going to be in this yeah. kingdom that they still don't even completely understand. They're, they're focused on something else, but they are you know? they are concerned about it's who's the prize. Be the, greatest. The, the prize is there, but they miss the price tag that goes along with that. You know, uh, and funny enough, obviously Jesus not even only overhears them, but he actually knows what their conversation is because he instantly uses it as this teaching moment. Mm-hmm. Of, if anybody wants to be first, let me tell you, they need to be last. And I love this concept then that he takes this little child, always using first things that were around him of being able to have physical elements to be teaching, but to actually take a child and to be able to, again, show this special piece of, you know, who children are in the life of, in the life of Christ and using them as one that this is some leftover. This isn't just somebody who doesn't understand, but whoever welcomes these little children welcomes me and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me you know really opening up to to god's kingdom and what christ actually came to do in this sense mm-hmm. who's the greatest you gotta nail that down it's important and then uh, again so we get into another little bickering element then whoever is not against us for us verse 38 Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Man, we, <laughs> there's a lot with it. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Uh, it's, I don't know. You a little bit of competition at, among the churches here. Huh? Yeah, you could look at it in a denominational aspect. You could look at it even within denominations of people say that different right. churches don't do something mm-hmm. right. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes even with our allies, we tend to be able to do this. Is there a piece of jealousy here? Maybe uh, among them. Uh, do they feel that they just are these certain ones that nobody else should be able to do this? It seems that way. But Jesus gives them something very interesting. I love that we don't even know who this other individual is. Yep. They're not even mentioned in the scriptures, not by name. No. Right? I'd love to meet this guy and, and have many, Well, and how many others were, yeah. were out there? That yeah. But this one individual is mentioned in scripture. Doesn't have his name, but like he gets his name yeah, not personally written, but there yeah. in the the book of life, you know, for all to be able to see. But this is a great instance of you know Jesus being able to say like, man, you don't don't have that inner fight. I think of the verse, your uh, battle or fight is not up against flesh and blood, but against the evil spirits of this world. I mean, this is exactly what Christ yeah. told you know. We need more people, you know. Think about, uh, obviously, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Everything that Jesus has taught them up to this moment and beyond, they're kind of going against because, again, they have just argued about who is the greatest, and that's still, I think, in their minds, it seems. Right. Yep. All right. Causing the sin. Ready? Mm. Yeah. All right. Jesus continues in verse 42. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. It's a very heavy stone, by the way. Uh, if you, it's used to crush grain. Yeah. Separate the chaff and the wheat. Yeah. Crushes. Very heavy. All right. If your hand causes you to sin, 
cut it off. It is better for you to enter the life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. <laughs> nice conclusion to all that. But All right, so first of all, uh, a very stern warning against leading innocent children astray. Yeah. And uh, when you get to the his uh, ascension, you know, he leaves with uh, go and baptize all nations, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptizing them, I'm sorry, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, you know, yeah. and teaching them all that I commanded you. And we, we, uh, we take that very seriously when we talk about how many Lutheran preschools and Lutheran schools and catechism and um, not not just leading them astray but also leading them obviously yeah. leads to lead not them omitting them in things. the true faith yeah and how absolutely paramount that is in our on our mission and then uh, Jesus gets vulgar again and graphic in his uh, teaching um, your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Your foot, chop it off. Your eye, pluck it out. And that's another one. Uh, I think some people have been like, "What? What? Does he mean that literally?" Uh, well, it kind of freaks people out. Yeah, not uh, and not literally, obviously, but he's talking about having this great, taking great um, steps when something is wrong in our life. If we're struggling with a sin. I'm not even going to make an example so we can all come up with that own sin. you got to get out of that rut, you know? You can't keep doing it over and over again. And so what needs to be removed in your life so that's not happening? You know, if you're struggling with uh, being an alcoholic, what do you need to remove so that you're not stuck in that addiction? And what do you need to add so that you're getting out of that? If you're struggling with pornography, what is the drastic step you need to take to be able to get that out of your life and to be able to move down a different road. Because if you do not make the big drastic steps, you continue down that path. And what Christ is trying to get us to, he says into life, right? He's, I want you in heaven with me. And so enter without these things. You know, you don't need those things. And not hell. Yes. Which he speaks yes. very literally of. I because mean, very that, realistically. Well, that's the path that all these sins take us to, right? All of us are sinners. Yes, we do receive that forgiveness, of course. But our life of sin can get worse, too. And so he says, you know, make this spiritual surgery, if you will, in your life. This sounds bad because it's talking about cutting it off. But what would a surgeon in our day and age, even with the technology we have, 
do to somebody whose hand is completely infected with uh, some type of gangrene, you know? They're not trying to save that hand at mm -hmm. that point. It is so infected that if they leave it, it will destroy the rest of the body. And so they do lop it off. And that sounds normal to us, but this one sounds so drastic. Isn't yeah. our spiritual life more important than just even our own physical life, you know? Right, yeah, let's, yeah, let's take Jesus' words at face value first uh, before we get down to the kind of the spiritual meaning because uh, follow his logic, right? Would it be better to live life uh, with one hand and go to heaven than to live life with two hands and go to hell? Well, that's so easy to think about. Yeah. About 80 years versus eternity. Yep. Um, one foot, one eye. I mean, the logic is so clear. It's like, wow, obviously that actually, whatever, that, that makes sense. Like, that's a smart decision yep. if that's the case. So like you're saying, um, you don't have to mutilate your body to be right with God, right? You just need heart surgery. You need spiritual healing. You need to... Uh, Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You need to put more of God's word in your life daily. Mm -hmm. uh, prayer time, devotion time. Um, so it's it's the remedy is actually painless. Yeah, and much more pleasant. It's beneficial than than chopping off a hand or something. But he's saying, hey, that, that's how extreme this is. Mm -hmm. And it's also uh, just another time in Scripture where. Uh, it's so clear of how serious sin is. <coughs> and I think it's so easy for us to say, ah, oh, it's a little white lie. Or mm. everybody does it. Mm. Or oh, I can stop anytime. Or mm. um, yep. to understand that this is a, a, a killing, a lethal spiritual disease uh, that we're born with. Uh, but God has done gone to great lengths he's, Jesus dies rises three days later he keeps predicting he's going to you know uh, to take away our sins and I, so if you if you think about Good Friday and the brutality of the, f the physical you know mutilation of his body hmm. the flogging of the back bones exposed the nails the asphyxiation on the cross the, the horrible death that is the price for sin I mean, if sin wasn't a big deal, then why did Jesus have to die for it? Yeah. I mean, sin is a huge deal, and it should always be taken seriously, never brushed off or, you know, thought whatever, nonchalantly about it. Um, yeah, it's a, it is. It's a spiritual war. We don't, we don't have to worry about fighting flesh and blood, but there's a definitely spiritual battle that goes, rages every day. And we take that very seriously. And we know that, of course, you know, we've got that power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living within us. And uh, we can do all things through him who strength raises he who is in me than he who is in the world. Um, wonderful promises. Um, but don't take sin lightly, ever. All right, well, I just have one concluding thought. I'll let you this. take it, yeah. I think about... The Mount of Transfiguration, mountaintop experience. Yep. And for me, uh, Sunday mornings are very much mountaintop experiences. Um, it's you go into a sanctuary. You know, it's a peaceful place. It's uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's in a in a in a different and special way. God is with us, 
You know, he's present with us when we gather together. He's present in his word, in the sacraments. And uh, it's just a wonderful, I hate the word rejuvenating, but it is, that's part of it. That's, that it's is a part of it. it. Yeah. It's rejuvenating, it's peaceful, it's inspiring, it's encouraging. Um, but we can't, we can't stay there. Right? No. We're called... Uh, to be able to go to, out, yeah. Yeah, our jobs, our families, our neighbors, our, uh, all of these responsibilities. We're, we come down the mountain, we're going to see people squabbling and fighting. People are asking us for help mm -hmm. uh, constantly, little or big things. And we, uh, hopefully, we've, we've been filled up enough on Sunday morning with that peace and that love and joy even. That we've got enough to to pour into to other people, everyone that we get to contact, you know, come in contact with during the week. Well, it's a good concluding piece because you know Jesus ends that section talking about the salt, and we hear that too in other places of Scripture that we are the salt of the earth, uh, that we are that light, that city on a hill, and that that light is not supposed to be hidden. You know, this other mountaintop piece that we get to be a part of of actually sharing and shining the light of the Lord and being able to preserve other people is that saltiness within that faith. So, you know, just as the disciples were called to be able to go out from there, and we receive that exact same calling to take yeah. what we've seen and go. And the good news is, is that someday we will get to enjoy the fullness of his glory. Yeah. For eternity. Yeah. Um, and so here on earth, he gives us little drops, little sneak peeks, if you will, of... Uh, of that peace and, and glory of God. Yep, and so maybe until then, you know, we say those same words that we heard in our scripture today. You know, Lord, we do believe, but help us with our unbelief. Let's go to him in yep. prayer and ask him with that unbelief. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, it teaches, it, it comforts, it guides us, and uh, we pray that uh, you would help each and every one of us, uh, near and far, uh, gathered around your word this moment, uh, to let your seed of truth be planted in our hearts uh, that you would nourish it and let it grow and increase our understanding of who you are and who we are and what we are to be about while we're here and give us the strength and the courage and the faith uh, to follow you to pray to you when we need help and to see the glory of your answered prayers each day in our lives uh, these things lord uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Yep. See you next week.